coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I've got my longtime co-host, Curtis, with me today. And it's hard to believe, man, but Curtis and I, we're wrapping up our sixth Georgia football season doing this podcast. And even in the midst of a, of a pandemic this year, which, man, it has um, it has impacted many more things than just our podcast. But even in the midst of a, of a pandemic, this was our biggest season to date. Not the best season for the dogs, obviously, definitely not. But this podcast has continued to grow, I mean, beyond what we ever thought was possible when we started this, well, I guess, six years ago. Um, not to say that we're big time or anything like that, because we most certainly are not. Uh, we know this podcast lives on the margins of the podcasting world, and we are very much a couple of nobodies in the grand scheme of things. We have that self-awareness, but we're cool with that. We're totally cool with that. Uh, but regardless, this was the biggest season ever for our podcast in terms of listenership. So again, I just I want to take a quick second. I know I do this every now and then, guys, but it's just because I'm grateful. I just want to take a quick second to thank each and every one of you for supporting our show. It means a lot to us. It's it's weird that people still want to listen to us. I, that never gets less weird, but we are grateful. We really appreciate that you guys do enjoy listening to our show, and uh, we just, we're just so grateful, guys. So thank each and every one of you for, for supporting our show, old listeners, new listeners alike. It doesn't matter. You guys are awesome, and we are so thankful for all of you and all your support. And we sincerely hope, it's definitely our sincere hope, to be able to continue to bring you our brand of Georgia Sports Talk for years to come. That's that's the plan. And if you want to help us make that possible beyond just listening to the show, which is obviously a, a huge help and like the best way to help, but if you are in the giving Christmas spirit, if you enjoy our podcast and have not had a chance to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to us on, I know most of our listeners access the show on some form of Apple podcast platform, but we know we have listeners that access us on um, on different things, Spotify, whatever it might be, but we would greatly appreciate it if you could help us out there. The One Star Trolls, they've been out and about again, dropping our rating a little bit, which is fine. That's cool. We can we can handle people not loving the show. It's part of, of doing a podcast. You put yourself out there, not everyone's going to like it. That's cool. We get it. We know it's a, it's a different type of podcast and it isn't for everyone and, and that's just how the world works, but we get that. But Ratings and reviews go a long way in encouraging new people to give a podcast a shot. And I think it's a big reason why we've had the biggest season to date for our podcast is because a lot of you guys have been awesome over the off season and during the season helping us out there. So if you are in the Christmas spirit and you have a free second or two, I know life is busy, life is crazy. I I totally get that. But if you get a free second, if those of you who actually enjoy the show would help us cancel out the trolls, that would be awesome and sincerely, sincerely appreciated. But all right, Curtis, let's talk some football. That's what we're here to do. And, Kurt, I said last week that I thought Missouri, coming into the game, especially with how they've been playing recently, I thought that Missouri was the best team we had faced this season that we were going to face, not named Florida or Alabama. And then we just went out and mollywhopped them, 49-14, outgained them 615 to 200 yards. Uh, it's actually the second most yards against a power five opponent that we've put up in the Kirby Smart era against a power five opponent. Who was the other the other team? It was also Missouri back in 2017. We almost put up 700 on them. So, Kurt, simple question to open things up here today. Was that the best performance of the season by the Dogs? I definitely believe it's our most balanced performance. Um, we have played well. I mean, you saw against uh, 
Mississippi State, we go out there and throw for over 400 yards, which was, I mean, realistically in the Kirby Smart era is unheard of. Um, but I think this was the best one of just going out there with a pure balance where we go out there uh, over almost 300 yards passing, over 300 yards rushing. Offensively, I think that was the best we have looked all year. Oh, yeah, offensively. I mean, that you're right. Complete performance, a comprehensive performance, however you want to say that. Absolutely. Um, and I know, and we'll get to, we'll get to it in a second here, talk about what was going on in the first half and what's different in the second half. But, I mean, offensively, I mean, guys, coming into Saturday's game, the most yards that we put up in a single game this year was 471 against South Carolina two weeks ago. And we just blew past that with 615. And, guys, like, we didn't even try to score in the fourth quarter. Like, we, I mean, we almost did. Like, we should – God, I, like, did it annoy you that – I mean, Podlesi's been great this year, but did it kind of annoy you that he missed that field goal? Because a 50, a 50 spot would have been great. A little bit, too, because the fact is he, we hadn't been asking him to do much lately, so we needed him to get some more reps, um, yeah. more look, because he just hasn't had much chance lately. Yeah, I know I'm being picky there, but like, in like 49-14, that's still a, a, a domination. But like, there's something different about a 50 spot. Like When you, put, when you see 52 there, it just looks good. and like I, I don't know. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but I would have liked that. But like, we weren't even trying to score in the fourth quarter. Like, we could have put 700-plus on this team, I think, pretty easily. And um, I mean, it was it was almost like no resist, resistance in the second half. So I think clearly offensively, and if you look defensively, guys, we held them to like right at 200 yards. This was the best. I mean, best defensive performance by production standpoint. I mean, giving up only 200 yards before. Uh, I think I think we gave up 214 to Tennessee, 216 to Auburn. So those we were lights out in those games. But this was from a production standpoint, yards surrendered was the best defensive performance against the team, guys that had averaged over 600 yards a game over the last two games coming in this game. Yes, I know those games were against Vanderbilt and in Arkansas. I understand that. But still, I mean, it's tough to put up 600 yards against an SEC opponent. And they did that two games in a row. Here we, they come in into this week's game, and we hold them to almost under – two, like essentially under 200 yards. I mean, right at 200 yards total offense. I mean, that's complete and utter domination. I, I don't think – I mean, I know that we played really well against Auburn. I would say that before this game, Auburn, would, would you agree with me, was Auburn our most complete performance before this game? Probably as a team, yes. Uh, but I think the way we just did on both sides of the ball was the big difference. I mean, realistically, when we didn't do stuff on offensive, it's our own fault. Fair. I mean, and you can maybe say South Carolina. Uh, that, that we had, Obviously, we played really well. But South game. Carolina moved the ball better than they should have. It's the only reason you really can't go there, um, Yeah, especially defensively. And when we played Auburn, like they were still pretty much at full health. Carolina was a, a shell of themselves if they were if they even had a shell to begin with. I mean, they, that's South Carolina. So yeah, I think pretty clearly in my mind, this is our our best performance of the entire season. And it's a shame that it's happened at the end of the season. I guess it, it's kind of normal, right? Like teams improve typically, unless you know your coach is fired and then you fall apart. But typically, you improve as the season goes on if you if you can stay away from the injuries. And we've had our fair share of injuries in the middle of the season. But uh, I think this was a, a great performance by a team that's really kind of hitting their stride and, and playing as well as anyone in the country. And that brings me to my next question, Kurt. How good is this Georgia Bulldog football team right now? Um, I think we're really good, especially you saw the big difference was getting Jordan Davis back. I mean, for the most part, outside of LeCount, um, we're getting a lot healthier, which is, I think, the big difference, too. And offensively, we're finally healthy. Um, and we're kind of building a rapport, which, I mean – yeah, we had Stetson and things like that, but we hadn't always been 100%. And I think that right now our players in general have a better feel of what we're asking them to do in the Todd Monken system. And I think he's also getting more comfortable with the players that he has and what they can and can't do. So um, I think that it's just the first time we're really getting to see everything start to click um, and get a feel for what we truly have going forward. 
Yeah, good point. Let me ask you this, kind of extend the question a little bit. Obviously, we are not getting into the college football playoff. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I don't, I don't see, honestly, any – like, is there any scenario, Curse that could even remotely happen? I don't think so right now. I don't think that's um, – Not unless there's just a complete COVID outbreak to where teams, all their players are in the hospital. Yeah, in the era of COVID, I guess that that's it. But from, like, a, a football standpoint, probably not. So, like, we know that. I'm. It's fine. It is what it is. But it's just an interesting conversation to have, Curtis. It, again, it doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're talking about fiction here because it's not going to happen. But – if this team was in the college football playoff with how we're playing right now and how we're getting healthy and it looks like LeCount could potentially come back by the, by the end of the year, which says a lot about that kid, by the way. Um, if we happen, like if we were in the college football playoff this year, could we win it with how this oh, team I is definitely think so. I think offensively we're getting there. Um, maybe we're still a little young at, especially on the outside where our guys are making plays. Um, but I definitely think that this is definitely the best offense we've had in a long time. And it'd be good enough where we're, kind of balanced for the most part to at least make some things happen i think we'd have a shot i'm not saying we would be the favorite or we should be the favorite but i i think with how we're playing right now now that we've got the quarterback situation like is it fair like curtis are you ready to say the quarterback situation is solved right now oh yeah 100 percent. there's no question that jt is our guy and kind of i mean we've always said that we thought Munkin had done a good job of drawing things open and now that we have someone who can really make things happen you're seeing just how much better our offense could have looked yeah, you and I have been talking on this. It's not like we've been alone saying this, but like we've been talking all year about basically after every single game. Wow, man, story of the game. Guys are wide open. We just couldn't hit them. Well, now we're seeing like that in reality. Guys are are still open like they were all season, and we actually have a quarterback that's accurate enough and has the arm talent to actually hit those guys and make those plays and see them when they're open and know where to go with the football. It's just a different world. And we've talked all season about it's an offensive game. And it's, it's and when it's not, when you say it's an offensive game, that means it's about quarterback play more than anything. You have to have receivers too. And we've got the receivers right now. And then you got the quarterback offensive line. It's not elite, but playing well enough. We've got a, I think a very strong running attack right now, a bunch of good backs. I think a, a very good, if not elite play caller, as offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin. And I still think we have arguably one of the, if not the best defense in the country, I would still argue that right now when we're healthy. So yeah, if we were in a cultural playoff, I think we'd have a shot. I'm not saying that we would be the favorite again, but I think we'd have a shot. Unfortunately, that's just not how college football works. Um, it sucks, but it is what it is. And in the two best games of the year, we didn't play our best. In Alabama, we were healthy. We have no excuse there. Florida, we had a lot of guys out, um, but they, they played really well. And, and, and look, even with those guys out, like we just played poorly on defense in that game. We could not defend a running back out of the backfield. Couldn't handle a, a rub route whatsoever but i will say man like curtis if we played florida next week do we win oh yeah i don't I think there's a question we beat them um especially yeah. just keeping the ball away from them i think that's the biggest difference of how lsu was able to win that game is they just you know yeah. had some long sustained drives and i don't know if there's no question but i think we could absolutely win that game for sure i, th- I would pick us to win and Al- what about bama i'm I not bama's bama's gotten better like we yeah first- to say bama's the, bama's one of the few teams that's actually gotten better defensively Um, which has made them to where they are. But now with their Christian Harris injury, if Florida wasn't coming off such a, you know, let down where their season's almost over, you you would think, okay, this, it would make it at least a little more interesting. Yeah. Like we've improved offensively, but Bama's defense is a different animal than what it was when we played them. What was that week four, week five, whatever it was. Uh, Florida's defense is still trash. They're not good. Florida's defense is just not good. They're fine, I guess, but that's not, that's not a championship level defense. And we saw that a little bit against LSU. Um, but yeah, Bama, I, I, but I think we could beat Bama. I mean, look guys, we, we, we were beating Bama for two thirds of that game. 
with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. With JT Daniels now, everybody healthy. I, I don't know, man. I, I think it would be a great game. Let's say that. I think it would be a great game. I think we'd have a shot. But it's just not how it works. I guess, honestly, I, I'm, I'm ashamed that we're even doing this. I always feel like this is what losers do. Say, well, you know, if we played them now, like, we'd beat them. But I just think it's true. I think if we played them now. I mean, just like you go them, back to seven, some of those games we lost at the beginning of the season, if we had played them, um, we probably would have beat them with Serena as they got more yeah. comfortable together. And I've seen, I, and just looking on social media today, I've seen a bunch of Florida fans talk about, well, you know, Kyle Pitts didn't play. That shouldn't really like, that shouldn't count. If we, if we had Kyle Pitts, we would have won that game. Like, dude, your quarterback threw for 475. Like, how much of a difference was Kyle Pitts going to make? It wasn't that they, they couldn't throw the football. I mean, that wasn't the problem. Um, but, like, I mean, when, you, when they say that, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I, I just can't. I, I'm sorry. You're going you're gonna to use that excuse, but yet you're going to crow about beating us. We had half our defense out. I mean, come on. George Pickens not playing, not even there. I mean, Stetson Bennett starting quarterback, and he gets knocked out. And we're Dwan Matthews, who's not even on the team anymore. And it's just like, oh my God. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think we're, I think we are as good on it. I think we're as good as, well, is it fair to say we're as good as anyone in the country? I don't know if I would go that far. I think, I think we're right up there in that conversation in terms of how we're playing right now. But now, if you look at the resume, no, we should not be in that conversation. But I think in terms of how we're playing right now with the talent that we have, I think we are as good as anyone in the country. And I know that sounds crazy when we're not even in the conversation, but I think now that we've, because what was the problem? Of it was quarterback, right? That was the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's even some of our defensive problems, as bad as they were playing, if we would have been able to keep them off the field and let them rest, especially against Alabama in the second half and things like that, it may have been different. But who's like, but like we've said all year, it's off. It, college football has become an offensive game. Like who stops those offense? Like who stopped Florida? Who stopped Alabama? Nobody's going to stop them. I think if we're, our defense is healthy, we have a, like, we actually held Bama relatively in check for most of that I game. Say right now, right now we have the closest Alabama has been held all year. I think we had, I think we forced them to punt four times in the first half. Is anyone in America forcing to punt four times in the entire game? I, I mean, I don't know oh, those numbers. Uh-huh. I, think look. I mean, I don't know. I don't, but I think there's a chance. Maybe not. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, I know people are sitting there shaking their heads and say, you're a bunch of homers. Like, uh, you're, you know, just discount what we're saying. But, I mean, just look at it, guys. Like, the problem all season was we had injuries and we didn't have a quarterback. Well, we're getting healthy and we have a quarterback. I still think we have one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, we're playing really well in offense. I, I don't know, man. I, I think we're as good as anyone in the country. If we were in the playoffs, I think we'd have a shot. But we're not going to get in the playoffs. That's fine. We'll just have to hope it happens next year, I guess. But, uh, Kerr, I, I, I do want to ask you this, too, going back to this game against Missouri. As lopsided as the final result was, and it was lopsided, it was a tie game, 14-14, with under a minute to go in the first half. So what happened there? How were we able to swing things so dramatically after that point? Um, well, I think uh, we, especially that touchdown right before the half was huge because we were able to swing some momentum. But I want to say the biggest thing to me where I thought we were most successful is – just the adjustments we made as a team and in the coaching staff made the adjustments is what won us that game. We came out, especially the second half with some great adjustments and they just couldn't counteract, you know, they couldn't adjust to what we did. Yep. Absolutely. That was a couple things in the first half. We had trouble protecting JT Daniels or more, more trouble than we've had. And even when the, when he, when he got sacked a couple of times, even when he wasn't sacked, like he had to rush his throws plays couldn't develop. Like we like one and two, I think I hit on one of the throws. His arm got hit. So, you know, when, when he's feeling pressure, and like JT is, I mean, he's mobile. Like when he's fully healthy, like back when he was a freshman, he's functionally mobile, but he's not like a, a dynamic, like dual threat guy with his legs. He's not going to do that. Um, and plus he's soaking off the injury, no brace, which is great. So that, that, and, and it, with JT, that's the one thing you got to worry about. Like he's not the most nimble footed guy. In fact, I think he moves plenty well enough. Um, and, and there are times we had, we started rolling the pocket a little bit uh, to protect him. 
But, uh, you know, I, I think with the second half, we really cleaned that up. The offensive line came to play in the second half, and, and we were able to keep him clean for the for the most part in that second half. I think that certainly helped. And we're just executing um, defensively. I mean, offensively, they didn't get much going in the first half. Really, that block punt, like, really what, what happened is we didn't let them block punts. Is that fair to say? <laughs> we just didn't give them points. Uh, and they were trying – you could tell, like, it's what I said last week in the preview show is they would be dumb to not try to get the running backs involved in the passing game based off what we had done the past couple weeks, going back to the Florida game, having issues with rub rallies and just defending guys out of the backfield in the passing game. And they were trying to do that, you know, doing some sprint stuff, um, doing some some boot action. And they had a little bit of success getting the ball to the running backs in the first half. We took that away in the second half, and they just – they weren't really able to get the ball down the field. And they weren't able to run the ball at all, which Jordan, Jordan Davis coming back, that was my key to the game is if they can't run the football, they're not going to beat us because – if you look at Eli Drinkwitz, everywhere he's been as an offensive play caller, he relies on being balanced. I know mean, he has this reputation as kind of being a guy that throws the ball around and is creative, and he is, and he does throw it, but he also likes to run the football too. He's very much balanced, almost 50-50 just about everywhere he's been, almost exactly 50-50 this year. And when they weren't able to run the football, they don't have the receivers out wide to hurt us like Florida did and like Bama did, and that just proved to be the case. And then, yeah, we, so I think we, we protected JT. We hit we hit some explosive plays, which helps. You know, when you hit those explosive plays, all of a sudden that changes the game. Like we won the middle eight, which is something that Dabo Swinney always talks about. The middle eight, the last four minutes of the of the of the of the first half, first four minutes of the second half, and really it was like maybe the middle five because it was like that last minute of the first half, and then we come out. I think scored two touchdowns in the first uh, seven seven and a half minutes of the second half, and then it was pretty much all she wrote from there. But yeah, I mean, we were clearly the more talented team. Another thing I also mentioned is like we just wore them down. I think they had I, last Tuesday. I want to say there were 59 players that were available for that game, and we had pretty much a full roster minus maybe like Richard LeCount, a few guys that were dinged up. But we didn't knock on wood had, didn't have the COVID issues. So I, I felt like in the first half it might be a pretty close game because they're playing a top 10 opponent in their place. They're feeling good about themselves. They've been playing really well the past couple of weeks. Over 600 yards on offense. Got a young quarterback that's playing well. I thought that they would push us in the first half. Um, because they'd be out there on fire, and uh, it was going to be cold conditions, a different kind of environment, or sleepy start time on the road, eleven o'clock local start time there, and usually that that's bad for the the, the highly ranked team coming in on the road. And uh, but I thought in the second half we'd wear them down with our depth, and that's exactly what happened. So I think that was all the a combination of all those things. The second half we just absolutely ran away with that game, and it could have been a lot worse. I mean, we could have put sixty plus on them, seven hundred plus yards if we wanted to, but Kirby Smart will never ever do that. But um, all right, Curtis. Let's move on here and let's go to our takeaways. And guys, what we're going to do here, Curtis and I, we each have our own list of takeaways from Saturday's game. Um, kind of like we did after the South Carolina game, actually exactly like we did after the South Carolina game. So we're going to spend the rest of the show kind of just going back and forth with our individual takeaways, kind of discuss some, some things that we're taking away from what we saw on Saturday. And we got some positive feedback on this format from that South Carolina recap. So we're going to go back to the well today. And if you guys continue like it, definitely let us know. Reach out on social media. Let us know if you guys like it or not. We we try to make this a show of the people, for the people, by the people. So we want to make sure it's something you guys enjoy. But we got some positive feedback, and we're going to continue on with it. And who knows, if you guys continue to like it, we might just keep it around for next season as well. But uh, all right, Kerr, I'm going to let you open things up, man. What was your first big takeaway from this game? Um, kind of like I mentioned, just the way that we came out and made um, adjustments. I think that was the big difference in the game and kind of what won us the game, especially, you know, they were driving the ball defensively and we were having trouble protect. And um, just part of that, I think, was, you know, especially offensively, we were trying to hit the deep ball too much and it was a little slow developing and they were getting pressure. But I thought we made some great adjustments out there and I think that was the difference in the game. Yeah, great call there. Um, my first thing, like, let me just ask you this. is Like, back when we were talking about – this season, the preseason, like we were previewing everything and we're making our projections and whatnot. Like, is this what you thought the team could be 
in the preseason? Like before we knew Jamie Newman was going to opt out. Like, is this what you thought we could be offensively and as a, as a team? Um, You hoped, but you never knew what to expect because we're still not used to this style. So in our, and honestly, I never would have imagined we'd be as balanced, but yet still as explosive as we were. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to do explosive plays here in a second. That's one of the things I've got, but yeah, I look, I thought, one of my biggest, maybe my biggest big picture takeaway is like this is what I thought our team would be this year if we had the quarterback. This is what I thought we could be, but then the quarterback thing happened. Jamie Newman opts out, and then I, then I was I was kind of okay with that at first. I thought, well, JT is going to be he'll be fine. I'm confident in JT, and then we find out, well, no, he's just not ready to go yet. And then you know, we, we, I didn't want to. We don't want to rehash what happened the first half of the season. We it, it happened. We saw it. Yay, whatever. But this is what I thought we could be because I thought we had the quarterback situation ready to go. Um, and we didn't, but now we do, and this is what we are now, and it's what I thought we could be all year. It is what we could have been all year. And that kind of – I think what I, I – what did I tweet? I can't remember exactly what I said. I, I, I think I tweeted out some of the lines of, like, I don't know how to feel about this guy. I don't know if I should be, like, excited about so excited about next year, more excited about next year, or more frustrated and sad about what happened this year because we didn't have the quarterback. I don't know. Like, I guess, like, I guess you have to be excited about next year, but it's hard to escape the fact that, you know – I don't want to say it's a wasted season, but man, it's just, it's, it's hard to look back. and think what could have been if JT was healthy, but I guess, you know, we're not the only team in that scenario. It happens. You're in your out for different teams, but I think this is what our, our team could have been and what our team should have been, but it just wasn't meant to be, I guess this year, which sucks. All right, Kurt, what you got next? Um, that probably the play of the offensive line, the way the second half, they just completely imposed their will and completely dominated and gave JT a cleaner pocket and just opened some lanes up in the run game. I think that was the difference. Yeah, I'm going to add on to that. I think you're right. I thought I thought the Dolphins might have had a little bit of issue of an issue protecting JT in the first half. They were bringing some pressure. They bring some different looks. Uh, they bring some guys. I mean, they were bringing pressure from everywhere. I mean, they're bringing from the boundary corner. They were bringing safeties. They were bringing linebackers. They were doing a good job of trying to mix things up and, and make it tough on JT. And they realized like, and this is what I thought with, with you know, it's kind of what Mississippi State did at times too. Is like they know like, hey, JT is uh, coming off that knee injury, hadn't been playing all year because he wasn't completely healthy, so let's try to dial up and see if he can escape the pocket. And the answer was probably really no. It hasn't, I, and that's one thing that we haven't really seen from him a ton this year. We haven't seen him do that maybe once or twice. He kind of just, when he sees the pressure, he's kind of just like, oh, I'm going to get rid of it. Or I'm going to go down and just take the sack right now. And I'm, I'm okay with that right now because I don't want the guy to get hurt and I get that he's still coming back. But that's something we want to see him improve on as we get into next season. But to add to the offensive line thing, I, yes, we definitely played really well in the run game. I think in particular the left side of the offensive line played really well. I know Justin Schaefer's a guy that you and I have we've, – we've criticized him at some at times. I thought he played a really good game um, because that, that's what he's good at, you know, is like is being that road grader. And we allowed him to do that, and he, he responded with a really good game. I thought I thought Jamari Sider just watching the game, I thought it was his best game of the year just watching. I mean, he was – I mean, guys, he was driving guys with the ball like 10 yards down the field. I mean, he was playing lights out in the run game. And lo and behold, you pull up Pro Football Focus's stats uh, and their grades for the game, and it was just, according to Pro Football Focus, that was his highest grade of the entire year in any game. And uh, that really totally matched what I saw in my own two eyes. So that left side offensive line played really well. Right side played well, too. Ben missed some he, – he missed some blocks here and there. He missed some guys, missed a, a twist on a pressure that that uh, that got in JT's face. But overall, offensive line in general played really well, but I really liked what I saw from the left side of the offensive line. Um, all right, so let me go one. All right, we mentioned explosive plays, girl. I'm, I'm going to give you guys some numbers here because I have been – this is maybe what I've been most excited about over the past three weeks since JT Daniels has been inserted as our starting quarterback. 
is not just the explosive plays in the passing game, which there have been plenty of. We saw Jermaine Burton almost break a single single game receiving record, receiving yards record against Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. But our run game, Curtis, has become explosive once again. Think about like when we were at our best in 2017. Think about all the times Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle broke off those long explosive runs. I mean, the Rose Bowl kind of saved us. We haven't seen – we saw it in 2018. We saw it in, in 18 as well. Last year, we stopped seeing that. And it's not because we didn't have the backs. DeAndre Swift's an explosive running back. We've seen him do it. I mean, we go back to the Auburn game in 2017 in the, in the SEC championship game uh, to seal that game. Kirby's running down the sideline. But we didn't have the passing game to complement it. So teams were able to load the box, key on the run, and we were not explosive. We haven't been explosive for a year and a half in the run game. That's changed the last three weeks or last three games. So that in the last three weeks. We know that. Then give you some numbers to back this up, guys. So the last three games since JT Daniels has been in the starting lineup with Mississippi State, South Carolina, and now Missouri, we have 20 plays of 20-plus yards over the last three weeks alone. Guys, we had 15 plays of 20-plus yards in the first six games combined. Okay? We have had 14 plays of 30 or more yards over the last three games with JT Daniels at quarterback. Guys, we had four plays of 30 or more yards in the first six games. I mean, we had Heck, we had eight plays of 30-plus yards just yesterday alone. That is extraordinarily exciting for me because watch Alabama, Curtis. Watch Florida. What do they have in common offensively? Big plays. Big plays. I mean, Alabama makes a living off big plays. That's how they beat us. We, we were playing them well in the first half, forcing the punt three or four times the first half. In the second half, what happened? We turned the ball over, and they killed us with big plays. They took our hearts out with big plays. That's what they did, and that's what we're starting to do. Now, I know the competitions, Mississippi State in South Carolina and Missouri. I get although I still say Missouri is a pretty good team. There's, I mean, it was a top 25 team, top 25 team, you know, whatever. Honestly, it's probably our best, it was our best win. By a, a ranking standpoint, I guess. Um, so we actually need them to go beat Mississippi State next week. That'd be great. But we have not been explosive. And that's what, if we want to win a national championship, we've got to become explosive on offense. And we're doing that. Now we need to do against better teams, admittedly so. But we weren't even doing against bad teams. I mean, Kurt, think about the Kentucky game. Like, oh my God, watching paint dry. I mean, that's what that game was. And it's just so hard to be methodical, drive in and drive out. Because too many, like when you're, when you're relying on 12, 13, 14 play drives to score because you can't do it in one or two plays, too many bad things can happen. We saw against Alabama. Think about the mistakes we made that cost us that game. We saw that happen. You've got to be explosive, and you've got to be able to, to do it in different ways, and we're doing that now. Whether it's the run game, whether it's the pass game, it's, it, it's, it's a sight for sore eyes, man. It's, it's great, and I just hope that this momentum carries over the rest of the season, of course, but also into next year more importantly, for, for sure. All right, Kurt, where are you going next? Uh, I think that we did a better job this week of tackling. Uh, I think the last couple weeks, our biggest problem has just been tackling, especially when you go back to South Carolina again, the way Kevin Harris, yeah, he's a small bowling ball type running back, but we just did not do a good job of wrapping him up. And I thought this week we did a lot better job of tackling. Yeah, they got two good running backs with, with Roundtree and Beatty. I thought we did a really good job there, keeping these guys relatively in check. Yeah, good call. Um, all right, where am I going to go next? I got a whole list here, man. All right, let's go here. So we talked about JT Daniels, and, I, and I'm giving this guy all, all the props in the world, and I think deservedly so. But I do also want to say, like, he was good yesterday. But are you with the curb curious? Are you with me here? I he was good, but I am better than we had at any other quarterback that's played this year. But I don't think he was as sharp against Missouri as he was against South Carolina, especially against Mississippi State. Like in terms of like ball placement, even some of the balls that were completed, like I don't know if the ball was placed as as 
well and perfectly as it was against Mississippi State, which, of course, is like an impossible standard to keep up because he was just so lights out in that game. Did you see the same thing, or am I just imagining things? No, I don't think he had his best game, but the thing was that he he still continued to battle and still put us in a position to win, which every quarterback's not going to have their best game, but he didn't lose us the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, here I am criticizing the guy. It's pretty good when I'm, I'm criticizing you for not being as sharp as you have been when you throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions and complete 60% of your passes. Like, that's, that's, say, that's saying something, right? Uh, and, and you also have to factor he's a California kid playing probably the coldest game he's ever played in his life. Uh, with with the rain, uh, kind of is a light drizzle rain, but very cold. Um, so th- obviously that factors into it as well. And look, he was still good. He was still really good. But even just like again, some of the balls he can play, like let's say the ball, the first big completion to uh, to Darnell Washington down the sideline when he had him man to man on the uh, on the safety there. I will give JT credit for seeing that the corner moved over with the motion and he had a safety on Darnell. Safeties don't cover for as Kirby said, safeties don't cover for a living. That's not what they do. Um, that well, that's they have to do it sometimes, but that's not what the, that's not what they excel at. And then you got Darnell Washington six seven out there lined up. I mean, yeah, you throw the ball, so I give JT credit for seeing that and and going going to him there and putting the ball just so when the guy's that big, you just put the ball up in, in the air and he goes makes a play, and that's exactly what he did. But that ball wasn't placed perfectly on that throw. Now, there were some plays where he made some great throws, like the the slant to Pickens that went for a touchdown. I mean, he he hit he hit Pickens on the money in stride, let him continue to run up the field. Gorgeous throw. Made some really nice throws. But, I mean, it seemed like it, almost every throw he made against Mississippi State was like a perfect dime. And that wasn't necessarily the case this week. I know I'm being super picky here, but just wanted to throw that out there a little bit. Can't give the guy complete 100% props all the time. All right, where are you going next, Kurt? Um, I'm going to give credit to the defense in general. I thought uh, the linebackers did a great job. You talked about how they were trying to get into use the running backs in the passing game. And I thought we did a lot better job after struggling the last couple weeks of really containing the short passing game and taking it away from the team. Yeah, I think, yes, absolutely. We made some adjustments there. And it just helps to get healthy. I mean, I know we don't have Richard back yet, but just getting healthy there. And I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on this because one of the things that I have uh, was, I, and I kind of mentioned this a little earlier, I, I still think this defense is as good as any in America when healthy. Are, are you? Would you still go that far, Curtis? Or, or have you kind of been soured by some of the poor performances in the big games? I mean, it's hard not to be soured, but I still think across the board, especially when you have a good offense to go out there, that they are very talented. I, I think when we're healthy, I mean, look, I know Florida's really good. They were gonna, they were going to put points up on us, and they were gonna, they were going to move the ball regardless of of our injuries. But guys, like no Jordan Davis in that game, no Richard LeCount, no Julian Rochester. I mean, first game without those guys, we hadn't had a chance to really adjust, and, and it wasn't just that. I mean, they, they, they I want to give Florida credit. They are they are really good offensively. They schemed it up really well. And I uh, got to give them credit there. But, like, you, you have to understand, guys, I mean, we didn't have our full team there. Like, we didn't have our full roster. And that certainly factors in. And Alabama, I, it, we had everybody in that game. There's no excuses there. I, again, I, mean, I think we played I think we played Bama as well as anyone has played Bama to this, to this point. I really believe that, especially in that first half. Um, but right now, I mean, defensively, I know we've dropped out a little bit. But I think if you look, we're healthy. I think this defense is as good – as in America, I would say at least a top five defense. Like defense that's good enough with the offense that we have now for us to win a championship. But that's not going to ha- happen this year. But I still think our defense is really, really good. I know those two games kind of ruined it for everybody, and I and I, I totally get that. I, I do understand that. But Missouri again, Missouri, guys, Missouri put up six hundred yards two weeks in a row, and we held them to two hundred yards. 
I mean, that's that's doing something. And I know that it's a young quarterback, but Baselick is good, guys. He's going to be a good quarterback in this, in this league for, for the next couple of years. Larry Roundtree is a really good running back, has been for a long time. Hazleton's a former 1,000-yard receiver at Virginia Tech. They have some good players. They don't have as many good players as we do, but our defense is still really good. I, just wanna, I know people have kind of given up on the defense a little bit uh, after some of those poor performances, but I, I still think we're pretty good on defense now that we're getting healthy. With Jordan Davis back, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. All right, let me go to uh, – let's see where we're going to go here. All right, I'm going to go to another guy that you and I have been hard on at times. I love him to death. I love him. I love him. I love him. He's such an incredible young man. He's a great ambassador for our program. Love everything about the guy. Love he's on our team. Great leader. But we've been kind of hard on Zamir White at times um, in terms of especially his vision and kind of just putting his head down and, and just trying to plow into the line. And I've been very clear the past couple of weeks that I think Kenny McIntosh is our best running back. I will stand by that. Are you still with me there? Do you, are you still on that, Kurt? Like McIntosh is Oh, yeah, 100%. Best? I mean, yeah, Zeus has some big runs, but I thought Kenny had the more impressive ones of just what he had to do. I think I, I, I still think Kenny McIntosh is our best back. I know Zeus had a huge game, 120-plus yards, big runs. But I do want to give Zeus credit here. That This is this is my main point when it comes to running backs. I still think McIntosh is our best back. But Zeus, I think, put together his two most impressive runs of his career at Georgia. I'm not even lying. I mean, I, I mean, I think the two most impressive runs I've seen from him in the Georgia uniform were on Saturday. It, the first one uh, was – I think it was a second, his second carry on the first drive of the second half. It wasn't a, you know, it was like a 14, 15 yard game. It wasn't a massive game. But what he did is he pressed the line. This is what McIntosh is really good at. He pressed the line, got the defenders to commit, to square their shoulders a little bit. And then he saw the hole open up. He let the blocks develop in front of him. And then he used his lateral agility to move out into the hole. He saw the hole allowed it to develop, and then was able to execute and get into that hole and, and, and find a, a, a nice gap there, 15-yard run. At that point, I, I said to my wife, I was like, that's the best run I've ever seen this guy make in a Georgia uniform. And then he kind of one-ups it on that long touchdown run, very similar type play, kind of same thing. He let, he used patience, let the, let the hole develop, saw the hole, which has been my criticism with Zeus for the past year and a half is he doesn't let holes develop. He doesn't. He hasn't had great vision. He hasn't seen the holes. He kind of just puts his head down and, and tries to plow over guys. And I respect him for. I respect him for being a tough physical runner. But we need more from him. We need him to be explosive, and he can't be explosive if you don't see the hole. And I, I, I didn't know if he just didn't have the vision or he lost it. I think a big part of it was the fact that he just missed so much time, and it takes some time coming back. I mean, he, even last year he played, he didn't get a ton of carries. Now that he's kind of the, the top guy. He's gotten more carries. I think that he has improved. I want to give him credit here. He's. I still think Kenny's the best back. I think that Kenny's a. The, I think he's a nice mix of what Zeus. Because I think Kenny runs with good power too. Not as powerful as Zeus, but good power. And I think Kenny's a good receiver out of the backfield. Not as good as James Cook, but a good receiver out of the backfield. I think he's the best of both worlds, like the combo in one body. Uh, but Zamir is getting a lot better, and um, I, I'm really proud of the guy for working. And I just want to. I know we've been hard on him, so I want to give him some props there. I thought those are his two best runs of his entire career here in Athens. All right, Kurt, what's up next? I mean, I don't think you can do a recap show without mentioning the game that George Pickens had. I mean, the guy absolutely dominated the game. Yeah, that was that was my next one. Um, do you still think he's the best wide receiver on the team? I think so. I mean, he may not be the most explosive when you have someone like Burton who can who's a burner and can uh, has great footwork and things like that. But George just has that it factor that you just can't coach. It's just like when you feel like a ball, like when a ball is put thrown to him in his area, you just feel like he's going to come down with it. You know, you just have that feeling like he's going to come down with it some way, somehow. 
and that's that's a great quality to have in a receiver. I um I think he, I still think he what I have in my notes is that George Pickens is still the best wide receiver on our team. Five catches, 126 yards, and, and the reason I say that is because we've had some people ask throughout the year when Pickens wasn't having a great start to the year and Kier's putting up what three 100 yard games in a row, or uh, averaging 100 yards over the first three games. It's people are asking is Kier's Jackson the best receiver? Then of course after the uh, the 196 yard performance, I want to say 198, whatever it was, performance against Mississippi State, which is Jermaine Burton. Now, is he, is, he, is he coming on? Is he the best receiver? And maybe he will be next year. I don't know. But right now, I still think it's George Pickens. It doesn't mean Pickens is is, is perfect. He, he still needs to put weight on. He needs to work on his releases. He doesn't always release the right way. He struggles getting off press coverage. I mean, Alabama mugged him and he had trouble getting off because he's not strong enough. But when he gets off and he gets out there, like he can win one on one. And I think he can win one-on-one better than anybody that we have on the team right now. And that, that makes him special. So I still, I still think he's the best wide receiver on the team. We'll see what happens next year. But uh, he had a huge game. And you're right, we, we, we can't talk about this game without mentioning George Pickens' big game. And, I mean, his biggest game of the year. It was nice to see him come back. And he, he started to come back a little bit after the injury. But that was definitely uh, his uh, arrival this season, I guess we'll say. I will say this, Kurt, we're talking about George Pickens. The dude has to grow up, right? At some oh, point. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, at some point, like – the the whole what, what was he doing the the like the bird dance we almost busted his back man I mean, like he could have torn ACL there doing something stupid yeah it like scared that. me because I go back to Malcolm Mitchell days absolutely you could tear an ACL you could t- you can you can rupture an Achilles which is a, a worse than ACL recovery now I'm just like what are you doing and it's like after every single play after every single play he's doing something ridiculous and it's just become tiresome like we like to criticize i mean obviously it's fun to criticize marco wilson for throwing the shoe 20 yards on the field and costing the game but like i was sitting there watching and i was like you know what i said to my wife i was like you know what yeah it's funny to, it's funny to laugh at them right now but that could easily be george pickens like couldn't you see george pickens doing something that stupid i mean he did square the guy in the face with water I, yes yeah i know i know oh my god i and like and I know people like celebrate him throwing Trey Swilling, the tech guy, into the into the wall last year. I get that on some level. It's like, no, dude, you can't like let's not celebrate these things. He's got to grow up. And I get and maybe he is. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but dude, he's just got to stop that junk. And I just I, cr- I cringe when I see him get up and start doing a little celebration, like talking trash. It's like, what are you doing? I don't know, man. It's it's annoying, but he's really good. He, and he's a great kid from everything I hear. He's a really good young man, just a lighthearted, fun kid, but he's just immature. And I don't know, man. It's almost like he hadn't learned any of that before he got here. And you know that has to drive Kirby crazy. Um, all right, so that was yours, right? You talked about Pickens. All right, let me go one yeah. here. Um, Darnell Washington, talking about receiver. I know he's not a receiver tight end. Darnell Washington is going to be scary next year. Like if we continue to try to throw the hey, – hey, let me ask you this too. With Darnell Washington, I was trying to target him a couple times in a row there. Do you think that had something to do with us like trying to show maybe, I don't know, Eric Gilbert, hey, we'll throw the ball to the tight end? I think it did 100% because we, com- we just went for it time after time that entire drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I know there was – you can say it was matchups in the game. Okay, well, I, what I saw is this game's in hand, and we can basically just do whatever we want to do, and we're choosing to go to Darnell Washington three times in a row. Mm, I don't know, man, like – Maybe you're trying to get Darnell going. Maybe you're trying to reward him because he's a great job blocking. Maybe all that's true, but maybe also in the back of your mind, you're like Kirby's like, "Hey, hey, Todd, like let's 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 show Eric what we can do, man. Like let's show him." I don't know. Just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. But Darnell, Darnell Washington, like if we start to use him like that and get him mashed up like that, he's going to be scary good. Uh, and once he figures things out in the passing game, it looks like he's starting to do that. Uh, I like it, man. And if oh, I'm, and look, I don't know what's going to happen with Eric Gilbert, but oh my God, Curtis, Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington on the same team, number one, number two tight end in the country from last year. 
oh my God, like that's, please Jesus, can that happen? That would be amazing. That would be great. Uh, so yeah, Darnell, gotta give him some props. Uh, what else you got left, man? Um, it, I think just in, uh, I want to give Dejon Edwards some love. I mean, yes, like I, it's any rep, any opportunity he gets, he takes full advantage of it. And I, I just love the way he comes in battles. Usually the game's out of reach by then. Um, but yet you wouldn't know by the way he comes in there and competes. And I, 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 I totally agree. Uh, good call. And I turned to my wife in that game. Obviously it's very tongue in cheek, but I turned to my wife, um, in that game, I was like, is Dejan Edwards our best running back? Um, no, he's not. But, hey, I think if he was pushing a duty, I think he could be productive for us. I do. He, now, it sucks. I mean, he's not Tank Bigsby, but that's unfair to, to have to compare him like that. He's, he's still a good running back in his own right. He runs hard. Maybe not the, the biggest, fastest guy in the world, but he's a good back. And I like, I like having him on the team for sure. Uh, where I'm going to go here, I'm going to go um, big picture here. Look, Kirby Smart, for whatever reason, like for he's a popular punching bag for – for members of the national media, whether it's Dan Wolken or Dennis Dodd, like all these national guys, he Kirby's a popular punch back. Like, well, he, you know, he's he's just a recruiter. He's he's not a coach. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. They, they just like to, to to take. They like to poke at him whenever they get a chance. But you know what? I'll say for this team, guys. This team is out of it. We're not going to win the SEC championship. We're not going to play for it. We're not in the national co- conversation in terms of the, the playoffs. But this team came out and played with fire and energy and passion. And you're not seeing that around the country, Curtis. You're not seeing that with guys opting out and guys going, being reckless and getting COVID. Our team has been disciplined. And not only have we been disciplined with that, it means something. And they're coming out and they're playing hard like this down the stretch when they don't really have like a championship to play for. I think Kirby Smart deserves a lot of credit for that. The culture he has built, the players deserve a lot of credit for that. Absolutely, the leadership on the team. But let's give Kirby Smart some credit for that, man. Like he get, he's he's just a punching bag for a lot of these guys in national media. No one's going to talk about Kirby Smart's team came out. They're going to say, well, it's just a Missouri. You just beat Missouri. Who cares? But our team came out and played with fire, passion, purpose, and that means something. And the, and these guys love Kirby Smart. The culture we have, I I love the culture in this program. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I love the culture. And I love the, the direction of this program. And people saying that our window is closed. Get out of here with that. Our window hasn't closed, man. Our window is wide open, and we're going to go into next year with a lot of momentum. Hopefully, if we, if we keep this up, and um, that culture eventually is going to get us a national title. I, I fully believe that. I'm going to go one more here, Kurt. I'm going to steal yours real fast. Look, uh, just another example of the culture. Did you notice Trey Blunt out there on the field on Saturday, Curtis? I did notice that, yeah. I just want to give some credit to Trey Blunt. And I want to, again, Kirby Smart has created a culture where guys, and it's not, I'm not saying everybody it's on the coach, but think about all these guys that are opting out left and right. And when I say opt out, they're quitting. That's that's what's happening. Like you can't opt out this late. Like what you're opting out of the last two weeks of the season, you're not opting out for COVID. You're you're quitting on the season. You're just you're just taking an L the rest of the season. That's fine. Trey Blunt is already in the transfer portal, guys. He has if he has every reason to go ahead and opt out and and start looking at it towards his next chapter. Trey Blunt did not do that. Trey Blunt is a fantastic young man from everything I've ever heard. I hate that he has not seen more playing time. And, and I'm not saying that he he should be out there above, above other guys. I'm not saying that. I He's just – everything I've ever heard about him, he's a fantastic young man, and he's done everything the right way. And I want to give this guy a major shout-out because that is how you handle your business. Nobody does that anymore. You don't see that across the country, but you saw from Trey Blunt. And it's, he deserves a lot of credit, and uh, I don't want to take away from him because he's the one that made that decision. But, again, the culture that Kirby Smart has engendered, um, I think I think that says something about him as well. So just great to see. That's, that's Georgia Bulldog stuff right there. All right, Kurt, you got anything else, man? No, I think you hit it pretty well. All right, I got a couple quick ones here real fast just to get us out of here that I want to mention. Um, Latavius Brini looked pretty good. Oh, Latavius yeah. He, I thought he played better. I thought he played better than what we've seen out of Chris Smith. 
I did too. That's why I want to bring this up. Like, were you surprised that Major Burns didn't go out there? I was actually really surprised. That's who I was expecting to go in because that's what you saw, especially after the Florida game. And yeah. Breeny, a lot of us had just written him off that he wasn't even going to get a single meaningful snap. And that guy, like, if you didn't know better, he looked like he, he reminded me of um, Devon Wilson. The guy was physical out there, came up and stuff Moving in the around, run. Flying well around. Past. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed. And, and it's another thing. People love to knock on Kirby. Kirby Smart doesn't develop players. What are you talking about? Let's say, yeah, I mean, Crowder's now making huge strides in the NFL. Just, as a, yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying Latavius Green is going to be an all-star, but, like, I was impressed with what I saw from him. I just want to give him a shout-out there. Um, looked good, man. I, he moved. He's moving quick with purpose, knew what he was doing, confident, striking guys. I loved it, man. I loved what I saw from Greeny. And I, I, you're right. Like, who's this? Like, what? Huh? What? Where did he come from? Like, never thought he'd play, but good for him. And happy for him. Happy, again, another guy that didn't transfer, stuck it out. Happy for him. Um, real quick also, we're finally figuring out how to use James Cook for the first time in his career. Todd Monk has done a great job there. I love it. Um, and real fast, uh, I love Todd Munkin. Done an awesome job. We've talked him up all year. One thing I would love to see him stop doing, we got to stop with this second and long runs over and over again. Sec- running the ball in second and long is one of the lowest percentage plays in all of football, and we do it consistently. And that's one of the reasons we run third and long a lot in the first half because teams know that's what we're doing. The scout is that we've got to stop doing that as much. I love him. He's far smarter than I will ever be. He knows far more about football than I will ever know. But come on, that's one of the lowest percentage plays in football. And that's, we can't do that as consistently. I know you can't throw it every second long, but you got to mix it up a little bit more. But um, all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We'll be back later this week. Obviously, we've got some recruiting to talk about this week. So get your questions in for the uh, mailbag, I guess the pre-signing day mailbag. Then we'll cover all the signing day action later on this week. So be looking forward to that. But thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate it. We love each and every one of you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always... Go dog.